title of the message is, and, I, and this is a message that actually, the Lord had put it on my heart for, I think for the last one month, and I have shared this a couple of times individually. I actually shared it with Sushil, uh, also on one of the phone calls, I just went on with this. So Sushil, you're going to be listening to this again today. So, And Linny has heard it, because we had, we had gone to somebody's house and we talked about it. But I felt that the Lord was telling me is to remind, to share this with the life team. Because I think there is a lot of, lot of things that the Lord wants to show us through the scripture uh, in the areas that we have to receive our victories, even in the areas where we have received the word. Sometimes you have received the word, but you never, you don't seem to experience the manifestation of the victory. And he said, my people give up after the word has come. They, they receive the word, but then they give up before the manifestation of things has happened. And he said that, I want them to learn this. I want them to learn this. And therefore, the, the message is called, Your son shall not go down. Can you repeat after me? Your son shall not go down. Your son shall not go down. Your son shall not go down. Let's go to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. 6-0. So I want you to just relax, enjoy the word today because it's going to be a feast. But I just want you to don't get, don't get tired, you know, just try to concentrate. But just go one verse at the verse at a time and let's understand what the Lord is telling to us, talking to us today. Okay? Are you all ready? Okay. Isaiah chapter 60. Now this is what God's saying a prophesy, prophesying that's going to happen after Jesus comes. Isaiah verse 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you, and your glory will be seen upon you. Let's read that again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. There you go. And let's then go straight to, and look at the prophesy. Uh, he, the, start noting the number of times that God uses the word shall. Shall is a very powerful word in the legal language. If you use a, a word shall in a contract, it means what? There is an obligation on part of the contractee. Shall. Shall. It has to happen. So God is starting to put a contract together and he says, I sh shall do this. You know how many times the word shall is mentioned in this chapter? 38 times in just one chapter. 38 times. That means there is 38 shalls in this chapter. That means... That's a covenant, almost a covenant where God is covenanting with you. It shall happen. This is God's word, 38 times in one chapter. I never noticed this until the Holy Spirit was saying, see how many shalls are there. So it's very interesting. You go on a Bible gateway, go to this chapter and select find shall on this. The whole chapter lights up with yellow. 
shout, 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 38 times. What? So let's look at some of the shouts. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall, there you go. Your son shall come from afar. Your son, your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant. And your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea will be, shall be turned to you. Not maybe turned to you. Guys, do you all know what the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you? What is the meaning of that? What does that mean? All the wealth of the Gentiles is returned to you. Not may be turned, shall be turned. To, to, give you, to get your perspective, go back home, go to YouTube, uh, Google trailer, trawler fishing, okay? And check videos for trawler fishing. You know, trawler fishing is what they do is they put these huge nets in the sea. And then they, they drag this whole net into it. Man cannot do it. It uses heavy horsepower to, uh, diesel engines that drag these chains in. And it's, it's held by chains. And you should see these chains coming. Cut, 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 cut. Because the fish that is in there, it's like you cannot stand in the way of that net. Because if you stand in the way of that net, you'll be killed. So these... Fishers, man, they are all on both sides and this thing is drawing this thing in and you should check this. It must be at least double the size, almost the size of this house, the width of it and the fish coming in and compressed and coming into it. Thanks. The abundance of the sea that we turn into. You cannot drag that thing in. Sea is denotes wealth. Of the world, this will be turned to you. What something has changed in this chapter? He said, after Jesus comes and you receive it, things will change. Everything will change. He says, the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The, there you go. In case you don't misunderstand sea and the abundance, look at the next line. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Is it a shall or a may? Shall. I like it. I mean, I love these shells. Shall come to you. The multitudes of the camels. Now, you, you can by no means spiritualize what I'm saying in the next four verses. It is all wealth. Camels. I mean, how do you spiritualize camels coming to you? <laughs> camels only come for one purpose. What do camels come for? To bring loads of wealth into it. That's how it is. The camels shall cover your land. <laughs> you, you, one camel, I'll take one camel. What does this say? Camels shall cover your land. Why, Lord? Why this abundance? Because he just, he's gone crazy over you. Because the glory of the Lord is, lights you up. Look at the first two, first three verses. Arise, shine. Your light has come. Say, my light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. That means glory of the Lord is upon you right now. The, the, the Lord will rise over you. His glory will be seen on you. This is all about you. Suddenly God lights you up with his glory. Happened after Jesus died and rose again. And you are born again. You got glorified. Amen. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 17. The glory that I have, I have given them. 
done. You don't have to again pray for glory. You are, you are lit up like a thousand neon bulbs right now. You don't even see it. You cannot see it, right? Because you're seeing with your natural eyes. That's why he says, lift up your eyes and see. So you're saying, Rajesh, you're saying, where is this wealth? I'm like struggling to do $1,000 in down payment for my house. Where is this wealth coming from? God says, lift up your eyes. Can you see it? He says, I cannot see it. Lift up your eyes. He's saying, yes, don't see with your natural eyes. Lift up your eyes. Can you see now? Remember when Elijah, who was a servant, who when the armies were surrounding them, and he was all afraid. Who was it? Gehazi, Gehazi the servant. With which prophet? Elisha or Elijah? Elisha. Elisha. He said, and all the armies were around him and he said, don't worry about them. Look who is for you. He said, he can't see anything. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. The moment he opened his eye, because there is two eyes, your spirit eyes and your natural eyes. He said, open your spirit eyes. Guess what happened? He saw thousands of angels flaming in his eyes. So God is saying, lift up your eyes. You have it now. The moment you lift up your eyes, so what precedes the abundance of the seas being turned to you? No, no, no. You are already now glorified. But lifting up your eyes. You have to see it before it gets turned to you. You have to see it. You have to see it. Very crucial. Listen, what is the title of the message today? Your son shall no lo longer. Your son shall no longer go down. No longer go down means it used to go down in the past, like the sun of the earth goes down every day. But your son shall no longer go down. There's a lot of prophetic implication to it. But let's hold on to it. There's so much that God has put that He wants to communicate to you. Let's rush. Okay. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Naboth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on your altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. This is so beautiful. I know it looks a little uh, complicated. What he's saying is, remember, this is what the Lord told me. Anytime there is a feasting and a time of joy, there is a death that has happened. Anytime there is joy, in the house of God, there is a death that has happened. Think about it. Remember when the younger son came to the house, he said, let us eat and drink and make merry, for the fatted calf has been killed. Remember? Always there is a death, because someone has to pay for your joy. You got it? So here he's saying, the lambs and the rams will come up as an offering to me, so that they will pay the price for your glory. That means you don't have to pay the price on the altar. I will provide you the lamb and the rams and they will minister to me. So that you can rejoice while I receive that offering. So if you try to offer yourself, what happens? You are not acceptable to God. But his lamb, who is his lamb? Jesus. That is acceptable. Interesting. So remember a king in Matthew. He said, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a king who threw, who had a wedding for his son. So first time he told, the, his, he said, send servants and tell those who are invited that the wedding is ready and all things are ready. He said two things. The wedding is ready and all things are ready. Come to the 
So they, they made light of it and they went away. Correct? Though they didn't have to do any work and these were invited. So he's talking about Israel. Israel was called. So the party was for them first. So they, they made light of it. Okay? They, they took it too lightly. So they each went one to their work. See, they are going to work when the work was finished. See, if you refuse the banquet of God, you have to continue to labor. Always remember. Because all things are ready. So if you don't want to receive it, you have to then continue to work. So one guy said, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. Very interesting. The next he said, tell them, go and call servants, others outside, on the highways and the byways and tell them. Tell them what? Tell them that the fatted calf has been killed. Again, remember, every wedding, there is a death. Okay, Alex, come on, welcome, welcome. Everywhere. So behind every joy, there is a death. Oh wow, this is what the Lord showed me. In the book of Jonah, you know the book of Jonah ends on a very sad note. You know where, almost this is the only book in the Bible which ends in a question. You know <laughs> Only book in the Bible which ends in a question. The question is, if you had pity on this plant on which you did not labor or took care, should I not have pity on Nineveh? 120,000 people and much livestock who cannot discern between the left and the right. So that's how God ends that book with a question. Should I not have mercy? Wow, isn't that good? Isn't that a God? All his question is, should I not have mercy? Should I not have mercy on you? That's how he ends. But look at it in that passage. There was this shoot that comes out of a dry ground. He, Jonah had made a shelter for himself from the heat of the day. But yet, a shoot came out of overnight and covered him and gave him relief. So my question is, if he already had made shelter for the heat, why did he complain about the shoot? Because your shelter is of no value. And the shoot comes up, covers him completely and in one night a worm uh, eats of it and it dies. Now he's angry. Why? Because if the worm had not have killed the, sh uh, sh the plant, who would have died? Jonah would have died. See, God was being merciful. If for God, Jonah to be spared, someone had to die. That was a picture of the Messiah because Isaiah 53 says he was a shoot that came out of a dry ground. You may think that you don't need shelter until the sun comes out and the sun gave the Messiah provided the heat from the shade from the eastern sun. So remember for every picture, every book in the Bible, there is a death that occurs for you to live. If, do you remember Jonah was in total violation against God at this point of time. He is thinking what will happen to Nineveh. Guess what? What will happen to him? Because he is now not saying what God wants him to say. He said 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. While God is now saying 40 days and I will now spare them. So now who is against God? Is Nineveh against God or is Jonah against God? Jonah. But he is sitting outside the city, facing the city, thinking what will happen to him. Now God's having mercy not only on Nineveh, but he's also having mercy on whom? Jonah. Jonah. 
Jonah, he provides a, 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 a shoot, a plant that comes out of dry ground overnight, exactly like Jesus. He comes out of dry ground, protects him, but he dies. The shoot dies. Remember, because death is a worm that shall not die and a fire that is not quenched. And Jesus took that so that you may be spared. And that, Jonah's book is a book of happy endings because a, shoot, a plant died. Remember that? A plant died. We never consider that plant, but the plant is a picture of Isaiah 53. That because of him he was prosperous. But anyway, let's now go straight down. So there's all the shalls in Isaiah 60. So we, uh, uh, Alex, we are on uh, the book of Isaiah 60. So he says all this prophecy about after Jesus comes as a believer, what are the shalls in your life? Okay. Now let's read verse 18. Bobby, can you read verse 18? Wow, can you underline this in your Bible? Because this is a shall word. Remember this chapter has how many shalls? 38 shalls. Look at one of the shalls. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land. That means in your life, you should not suffer violence. It's a shall word. It's not a may word. It's a shall word. You shall not suffer violence. Now, how do we receive the benefits of the shall? We'll talk about it. Receive it by believing it. Who, how does the book of Isaiah start? Who has believed our report? He's, he is not asking you to do anything. He said, who has believed our report? I am telling you this good news. Who has believed? Because the ones who believe receive the benefits of it. So you say, but Anil, I, I believe Jesus as the Messiah. So you receive the benefits of his salvation from death. Correct? But I don't believe him that for my health. I don't believe him for my wealth. I don't believe him for violence. I don't believe him for my relationship. See, that's because in that area you don't believe the report. So in that area you don't receive it. See, he cannot force you to do anything. He cannot. This is the saddest thing about, and you talk to any believer, any unbeliever, they will always say, if God is God, how did he allow? this to happen. In fact, at the tomb of Lazarus, two ladies asked Jesus the same question. If you were here, my brother would not have died. So who is to blame? Jesus. So every believer, every unbeliever is constantly saying, if you are here, you could have stopped this. God cannot stop you not receiving it because he is a God who honors will. Because he has made you after himself. You see, will is the most powerful force on the earth. It can send you to hell. It can send you to heaven. Irrespective of God's desire. Do you know that? God cannot stop you from going to hell. Because your will is so powerful. So when two ladies told him, if, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Jesus could not reply to that answer. Because his answer is, is very simple. Because that whole chapter and this, the whole thing opened for me just last week. The Lord said the book, the, the, the miracle, the miracle of Lazarus' resurrection is a, is a whole story of human history. 
When Jesus showed up on the scene at Lazarus' tomb, how many days was Lazarus in the tomb? How many days was Adam dead when Jesus showed up on the earth? 4,000 years. So what God was telling is, when man is telling, if Jesus was there in the Garden of Eden, my brother would not have died. But do you know that Jesus was in the Garden of Eden? Who do you think was walking with him in the cool of the day? It was Jesus. Because Jesus said, no one has seen me. No one has seen God except me. Then who did Adam saw? Adam saw Jesus. Because in the face of Jesus is the glory of the Father. He who has seen me, then Philip said, show us only the Father. He said, Philip, how long have I been with you? He said, three and a half years I walked with you. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Because I am the one who always shows up. Before Abraham, before uh, Samuel, before Hannah, before everybody, before Daniel, I'm the third person in the fire. I am everywhere. I am the one. I am the one. Who do you think is the one? It's not the father, it's me. I am Melchizedek that showed up. I am the one. I am the one in the garden. I am the tree of life that was in the center. And I looked good because God said he made the trees good to look at. I look good. So that you will not say, hey, that is a dirty looking tree. No, he was a good looking, handsome man. Jesus. Because that's a complaint against God. Saying that if you would have not been here, you will be shocked how prophetic that Lazarus thing is. So four years, he shows up on the fourth day, correct? And does he raise Lazarus from the dead? 4,000 years. He couldn't do anything, but he did. What did he do before he could remove Lazarus out from the dead? What did he, first thing he do when he came to the tomb? What did he say? Roll away the stone. What is a stone? How did death come into the world? Because of the law. So he said, before resurrection, now write it down. This is the Holy Spirit told me just this week. He said, write it down. Before resurrection can happen in your life, judgments have to be removed. Write it down. Before resurrection can happen in your life, judgments have to be removed. Before Lazarus could be raised up, the stone had to be removed because death is the basis of the law. If the law cannot be rolled up, death has no basis. So God said, Jesus said, roll away the stone. What is the stone? The Ten Commandments. The law that was against him. Because the, see, the, what did Paul say? I was alive without the law. But when law came, I died. Sin revived and I died. See, Adam was alive technically until law came. But the moment law came on Mount Sinai, sin revived in all its glory. Never went away from the earth. And everybody started dying. Right, left and center. But before Jesus could resurrect, a resurrection should happen, the stone had to be rolled away. The moment the stone was rolled away, what did he say? Last, the word went out. Remember? So, remember, the, look at the operation in your life. If there are dead things in your life, only one person can resurrect dead things. Done! Say, who can resurrect dead things? The father can resurrect dead things. Say, my father can resurrect the dead. No man can resurrect the dead. So, is there any area in your life that is dead? Like Abraham was dead. 
in a Sarah's womb was dead. Abraham's vigor had died. He had no testosterone left in his body. I'm telling you, the guy was dead. Dead. But only the father can resurrect. But before the father can be resurrected, what needs to happen? Judgments have to be removed. The law had to be removed. So before Abraham could feel resurrection, the, he came to him, God declared, Jesus declared him what? Righteous. So he had to remove the judgments upon him. He was not operating on the law, but he had his inward law, conscious against him. And he removed that. He said, walk before me and be blameless. That means walk before me, looking at me. And in my face, you will see your righteousness. That is how, what's the meaning of walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and blameless doesn't mean that walk before me and be blameless. <laughs> so misunderstood was. Walk before me and try to be blameless is not what that is saying. It is saying walk before me and be blameless. Like for example, when Jesus came to the man at the pool of Bethesda and said, rise up and walk. Did he try to walk? No, that word gave him the power to walk. When he said, be healed, does he try to be healed? No. He said, done. His word gives him the power. So he's telling Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. So he's declaring him blameless. The moment he declared him blameless, now he is set up for resurrection. Right? So the word came. The word went forth. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out. Now what happened? He is bound in grave clothes and his face is covered. Typical picture of believers who are born again. Correct? Because they have the grave clothes of death walking around and their face is covered because they cannot see Jesus. So all ministry, Lord, I would say, I can blame a vast majority of ministry in Christianity is to keep the face cloth on and the grave clothes on after resurrection has happened. Correct? Because they have control. Correct? All you want to, what did Jesus say? Lose him and let him go. Means what? Lose him so he can see me. And he can see resurrection life in, my, in me. The moment you see, remember we had the message, two messages before, beholding Jesus. In the face of Jesus, you see what? Come on. What do you see? No. Yeah, it is the glory of God. But non-theologically. In the face of Jesus, what do you see? In the face of Jesus, you see your righteousness. Remember, your clothes, unlike all other creatures in the world, your clothes come from your eyes. See, that's why we are born without clothes. While all animals are born with clothes. But God has uniquely created us that when we are born, our clothes come from our eyes. So, to, to what we open our eyes, you're clothed with that. So they opened, Adam and Eve opened their eyes to, see when they were, when they were created, they were naked. I know a lot of preachers talk about it. No, they are not naked. They were covered with the glory of God. No! The Bible says they were naked. Why are you trying to be apologetic for what the word says? They said it's naked. That's okay. Because the clothes had not yet arrived. The clothes come when the eyes open. But the eyes needs your will. You have to decide whose clothes you want. So they opened their eyes to the knowledge of good and evil, which is the law. And they wanted to get browning points for their clothes. That means when they know the knowledge of good and evil, and if they are obedient to the good and they get clothes, who gets the glory? 
But when they look at the tree of life and then they get the clothes of the righteousness of the tree of life, who gets the glory? The tree of life gets the glory. You see, righteousness is a big ego problem. All across all religions, everywhere, even Christianity, righteousness. Who gets the credit for your righteousness? Who gets the credit for your righteousness? But you can only get your clothes of righteousness in the face of Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus always looked at a sinner. Because the moment you saw Jesus, you saw Jesus, right? You had a vision, right? You said, you didn't see him? Who was saying? He said, there was so much of love I felt. Did you mention in your visions? They saw him. You felt that love that he could not explain. Correct? So people who have seen Jesus, that's, that's, a, you, you, that's a constant refrain. They, they don't feel any condemnation in his presence. Oh my goodness, no wonder the disciples were able to bring fire down on Samaria because they thought themselves they were the greatest in sliced bread. Because they never felt guilty in Jesus' presence. They felt so good about themselves. They were ready to throw judgments right, left and center. Because they were, see, you will only throw judgments if you are confident about your righteousness, isn't it? But that's what they were because they were so confident because Jesus never condemned them. In the eyes of Jesus, you see your righteousness. So before, we, we really took a rabbit trail. <laughs> really took a rabbit trail into righteousness but that is not even part of the message today hallelujah do you want to go back to the sun shall no longer go down <laughs> but that is good so I'll talk about the Lazarus story so now that you understand Lazarus story you know the rapture is mentioned in Lazarus story I should show this to you because you are the, you're the rapture generation so Martha leaves the house and goes, so Jesus is now going towards Bethany, where uh, their house is. So this is also a prophetic picture of, uh, prophetic picture of the second coming of Jesus. So Jesus is about to come to Bethany. Before he can come to Bethany, Martha leaves the house and meets Jesus. That is a picture of you leave your house and go to be with Jesus. That means if you die before the coming of the Lord, where do you go? Jesus. You leave your house, you go to Jesus, right? Then, as Jesus is in a place, Martha goes to Mary secretly and tells them, the Lord is coming. <laughs> That's the rapture. And the Bible says, she went how? Quickly. And where did she go? She went to a place where Jesus had not yet come to Bethany in a place where Martha was also there. So the rapture is the dead in Christ will be risen first and we who are alive in the house will be captured suddenly and thus we shall all be with the Lord. And then is when Jesus comes to the tomb and sees the Jews weeping. What will happen in the second coming? After the rapture, we, Jesus comes back to Jerusalem and the Jews are mourning there because of the tribulation and they're crying out and that's exactly what he sees at the tomb the Jews mourn and then the resurrection happens because the Bible says Paul said if 
the turning away of Israel is, is the fullness of the Gentiles. How much the fullness of uh, how much the fullness of Israel, it will be resurrection from the dead. That means the moment Israel turns to Jesus, listen to me, the moment Israel turns to Jesus, resurrection happens. Moment! Do you see Israel having uh, turning to Jesus right now? Lot of Messianic believers turning to Jesus. It's going to happen, but the, the biggest change, the biggest event is going to happen is after the rapture when the Jews cry out for the Messiah and Jesus shows up and they cry out and they shall look on the one whom they are pierced and they turn, the moment they turn resurrection, Lazarus gets risen who is Lazarus? Adam and 6,000 years of human history is over everything, see Jesus is not just a man, he is God so when he moves from a house to house he is God moving so he's going to the sea, that means he's going to the Gentiles. So see, he's just not a man who just walked from Galilee to Capernaum. More, he is God moving. <laughs> he is God moving. So think about, when you read gospel, think about him as the great God moving. So what is God doing? All of history moves with him. So you have to see scripture more deeply than... Hallelujah. Are you excited about the scripture? You start seeing the scripture from the depth because it's not just a man of Nazareth. It is God, man. This is God of the whole universe. Yeah, he shows up in a small package of a human being, but he's God. He just handles everything. So he just doesn't handle Lazarus. He's handling all of humanity when he's raising up Lazarus. It's amazing. You're excited. Okay, but there you go. So while I shall no longer be heard in your land, nor wasting, nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your wall salvation and your gates praise. Why? Because your gates shall never be closed out because the gates will constantly have wealth coming in. So what you should call your gates? First of all, your gates will never be shut down because you have so much wealth coming into your life. Isaiah, uh, we are doing Isaiah chapter 16. So Isaiah chapter 16, so much of wealth coming in, your gates will never be closed. So what should you call your gates always? Praise. As wealth comes in, stuff, good things happen, favor comes into your gates in your life. Call it praise. Don't don't complain about your gates. Don't call your gates stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, like, for some of you, Alex, your, your job may be a gate. That God is opening a door for great wealth to come in. But right now you may think that hey, there is nothing happening. But stop grumbling about your work. Make sense? Call your gates praise. Because if you call it praise, guess what? It will bear fruit for you. Let those gates open up for you and bring in the wealth. You got it? And call your walls salvation. Don't call your walls keep trying to keep things out. Call it trying to bring deliverance in. My walls are salvation. That means my walls are deliverance. They are not kept to keep things out. It is for, 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 for it to bring deliverance in. See how your mindset has to be changed. Okay, let's read this. Can, and can we read, uh, now finally the most important verse which is what we are going to talk about. I hope we'll have time to go cover everything. But let's read, Bobby can you read verse 19?
Okay, so uh, everybody got that verse? Okay. The sun shall no longer will be your light by day. What does that imply? That means once upon a time, you had to depend on your sun for your light. Correct? Agree? So he said, shall no longer you shall depend on the sun for light. He's not talking about a new heaven, new Jerusalem. No, he's talking about as a believer. Correct? As a believer, your sun, you shall no longer depend for the sun for light. Very interesting. I'm telling you, this is going to be so huge in terms of revelation for you, if you all can get it. Okay? The world depends on the sun for light. Believers do not depend on the sun for light. You get it? Okay. So if you get that picture, because it's a promise. See, depending on the sun is a weakness. Why? Why? Why do you think depending on the sun is a weakness? It goes down. It goes down. <laughs> Come on, tell, repeat after me. The sun goes down. Not a good, not a good, not reliable. Julie, is it reliable if your sun goes down? No, it's not reliable. Your sun goes down, not your sun, the sun. See, your sun changed. The sun goes down. You know, this is so amazing. The Holy Spirit was telling me when I was preparing, He said, I will look at the first mention of the sun in the Bible. Okay? Because every first mention of a thing in the Bible is very meaningful. It has to have very there's a reason what that thing is meant for. Every first mention, every first mention of a thing, adjective, person, place, anything, has prophetic meaning, right? What is the first mention of the sun? Where do you think will be the first mention of the sun? Creation. Creation. That's what you think, right? Wrong. <laughs> There's no mention of the sun in creation. It says, God made greater, greater light, lesser light. Let me ask you the thing. Where is the first mention of the word sun? S-U-N. Do you want to know that? In Moses. In Moses. So now you go all the way to Moses. Okay. Okay. Read Genesis chapter 15 verse 12. Can somebody read that? Genesis chapter 15 verse 12. of the sun going down <laughs> just so that the Holy Spirit wants you to know you depend on the sun it's going down <laughs> you don't even have to finish the verse when the sun is going down you if you depend on the sun of this world that sun is going down not a good, pro no good problem to have. It's not a, actually, no problems are good to have. <laughs> There's no good problem at that problem. Your sun shall no longer go down. So the most important part about a sun is what? That it shall not go down. I want my sun to stay. Why? Because it's a prophetic meaning. Because God didn't make the sun for men. He made the sun for the earth. And who did God 
And he said, God created the greater light to rule the day. And he said, he created these lights for to give light on the earth. But yet, Jesus shows up and said, I am the light of the world. But Jesus never said, I am the light of the earth. So, what is the difference between earth and the world? So, for the earth, they need what? The sun which goes down. But for people, God designed what? Because the first, what was the first thing that God said in creation? Let there be light. Did he say let there be the sun? So obviously that light was different from the sun that he created later. Right? Because now we, and we never knew what was this light that he talks about. Then we know because John chapter 1, and let's go to John chapter 1. Wow, this is so exciting. Are you all excited? John chapter 1. If you are not, I'm going to force you all to say yes. <laughs> John chapter 1. Let's read this. See, remember, John is a picture of Genesis, but revealed of creation. This is what he says. Remember, it again starts with the word? No. In the beginning. What does Genesis start with the word? Are we good? Are we good? Now it reveals Genesis, the real picture. See, the question that you had in Genesis, and who is this light, Lord, that you don't talk about much? Who is this light? Here. In the beginning was the word. Was he created? No. He was. But the light, the sun was created. But the light was never created. Remember how in Genesis, how did God create light? Was that, is that a right question? No. He said, let there be light. He never created light. He said, let light shine forth. Means light was always there. He said, let it shine forth. It's like saying, switch on the light. So when you say, Julie, if you say, switch on the light, what will happen? Are you creating the light? No. No, you're just switching it on. That means its light was already there. Light, so in that in creation, God is saying, let there be light. He's telling Jesus, Yehi-ah, Yehi is Yud, hey. The, the words of Jesus, it's yud is Yahweh. Yehi-ah, Yahweh, give your light. So Father is telling the Son, because all of creation is dark at that point of time. He said, Yahweh, show forth. And Billions of galaxies started creating in the light of Jesus Christ. Can you just start seeing the picture? Frogs, creatures, animals, mammals, breath, animals, planets, asteroids, galaxies, Milky Ways, all. Because Yahweh's light started. And this is the Yahweh that lives in you. <laughs> that is resurrection power. In fact, the first Hebrew word in the Bible is Bereshit. Bereshit means beginnings. Bereshit, the first two words is Bar. Bar means sun. <laughs> in Hebrew, the first word in the Hebrew scriptures is the sun. Bar. Simon Bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, Bar is son in Hebrew. 
Barashet. Bar. Starts with the sun. Everything started with the sun. So let's go back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. See there you go. Through Jesus. See that light that came forth. Created everything. Everything. Jesus. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. That means anything if it is made. Anything that is made. It was made through Jesus Christ. Jesus. The man who walked on the earth in Nazareth. Made everything. No wonder. You know there was a verse in the book of John. Ends with this one verse. And I always felt that was an exaggeration. Right? It says if all that Jesus had done would have been written. It would it would not fill up all the books. The world itself will not be able to contain the things what he had done. And I was like, ah, come on. Ah, come on. Come on. Three and a, 33 years. I'm sure you can write everything about Jesus. Sure. One day the Holy Spirit said, go back to John chapter 1. All things that was made. How much books do you need to write just the DNA code of a fruit fly? How much, how much, how much books do you need just to write the DNA code of a fruit fly? How much more? You won't be able to write that book. There's so much. You, how much? How much? Now add through it all the genetic code of all the animals that has ever been created. Then add all the genetic code, the make of all the molecules and the books and everything. Everything was made by Jesus. Boy, this world cannot contain the books. Now you understand. You thought, oh no, but Jesus only did a few things. Really? Really? Jesus did only a few things? Now you got a perspective. I'm like, Lord, that, see, no word in the scripture is exaggeration. There's no literary, literary privilege? What do you call that? Literary license. Authors take literary license to exaggerate certain things to make a point. Not the Holy Spirit. If it is not true because it is written, it will become true. <laughs> That's how it is. Okay. So what he says? Look at the verse 8. Verse 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now it explains who was the light. That was Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's read verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received grace of grace. So if you want to receive anything in this life, you can only receive it because of his fullness. Say fullness. Fullness. Now this is huge. This itself is a message. This itself is a message. If you want to underline that. Of his fullness you have all received. Say of his fullness I receive. He, you don't receive because of your lack. You don't receive because of your need. You don't receive because how much you pray. You don't receive how much need is there in the world. You receive because of his fullness. Say fullness. Because in the area that you lack, if you see Jesus full, guess what? You receive fullness. Remember the Samaritan woman who had gone to the well to draw water, correct? She could not get water. She was going every day to get water. And who is thirsty at this point of time? Jesus. So Jesus comes and tells him, give me a glass of water. So who is in need? Jesus. 
Who is in need? <laughs> Who is in need, really? The woman is in need. Why? Because her water runs out. Her water runs out. So she's in need. And she recognized that need right away. Said, if you can give me living water, that means running water, in the Jewish living water means running water, that means if you give me living water, means running water, it will never run out. And I don't have to come here every day. Great. Suddenly, who is in need? Him. And then suddenly she sees him as being full. Because Jesus said, if you knew who is asking you for a glass of water, you would ask him. That means Jesus is saying, if you see me as one in need, you will never meet your need. But if you see me as the one full, you will meet your need. You will ask him. So any time in ministry, if you feel that there is a demand made on you, get ready for you to ask Jesus. Because he is Kind of telling you, this is what he's telling you. I'm sorry, I have to get out of the camera frame. But he's telling you. Can you give me something? Means he's telling you to ask him for the same thing. You know, a lot of ministers say that, you know, I'm the, the demands of the ministry is burning me down. Correct? You hear that a lot in the ministry. Why? Because in that area, they are seeing their lack. They are not seeing the fullness of Jesus. You in that area, that moment when, when, when they ran out of bread, what did Jesus tell them? <laughs> so it's like, Jesus, Jesus is like, guys, 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 feed them. Hint, hint. <laughs> That's how Jesus is. When he tells you to feed them, he's telling, hint, hint. Means what? Ask. Why are you guys struggling? So these guys are like, how much money do we have? We are one year's age. When... Duh! Ask me! Ask me! Oh, so this verse is so crucial. Of his fullness, say that of his fullness, we have received. You cannot receive anything out of his, out of his full, without his fullness. That means in that area, like you are worried, you have a health problem. You've been praying about this health problem for a long time. But you have to really see Jesus completely and totally healed and overflowing with so much health that in his face of Jesus you see what? Health. He's like, how can how can there be any cancer in Jesus? There's no way. Oh my goodness. No cancer can survive in Jesus. Oh, did you just meditate on that? A cancer-free Jesus for one week. You just meditate on a you know, cancer-free Jesus. Guess what happens? In the face of Jesus, you see what? What you need. And you see, that's why First John says, as he is, so are we in this world. So you see him in his office fullness, we have all received. Okay. Let's go back. So, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 60. And now we will run. The sun shall no longer be a light by day, nor for brightness shall be the moon give light to you, but the Lord shall be to you an everlasting light, and the Lord your glory. And then, let's read, and then verse 20. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, but the Lord will be your everlasting light. And what will happen? 
the days of your mourning shall be ended. What will happen in, when this prophecy happens? If the sun doesn't go down, Bobby, and you're not depending on the sun for the light, what will happen? Your days of your mourning shall be ended. Underline that. That means something to do with the sun determines your, your soul. Right? Something about the sun determines your state of affairs of your soul. For some reason, there's something to do with your sun not going down and your days of mourning not being ended. Correct? He said, the moment your sun doesn't go down, your days of your mourning shall be ended. Shall be ended. Now, hold, hold the thought there. This is great. Okay? I'm going to I'll keep the biryani towards the end and the desert towards the end. Okay? Let's hear that. And then he says, also, as if this was not enough. Verse 21. Also, your people shall all be righteous. As a gift. Now, remember what I said before. Righteousness is a big ego problem. Somebody wants to take the credit for righteousness. Either it will be a man or it will be the savior. All religions, the basis of all religions is how you attain righteousness. Correct? And who gets the credit for that righteousness? All philosophical systems and all religious systems are based on this essential aspect. Who gets the brownie points for the righteousness that is manifested in your life? That's all it is. Do you get the credit or does God get the credit? That, that determines even what kind of righteousness is in your life. Sometimes the righteousness is pseudo-righteousness. You think it's righteousness but it's not but you get the credit. Look at the righteousness that God gives it to you as a gift. Look at what they say. Also your people shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. See the moment you are righteous. Any, the moment you are righteous. You, you inherit the land for how long? Why the Israelites could not inherit the land? Because. Because they were not righteous. You got it? See they, see, they were not righteous. Do you admit they were not righteous? Right. So they could obtain righteous how? By believing in their Messiah, correct? So they could receive it like Abraham received by, by faith. But they didn't want that. They wanted the law and they wanted to earn their righteousness. So they remained what? Unrighteous. Because they were trying to be righteous under the law. They cannot be righteous under the law because they were constantly failing. So they remained what? Alex, what were they? They remained unrighteous. So the moment you are unrighteous, what does the land do to you? It spits you out. I'm telling you. So you go into a job, you have a great job. But you don't have any sense of righteousness. It's, it throws you out. You, you have a horrible boss in one job, you go to another job, guess what? A new boss manifests with the same qualities. <laughs> because the land is trying to spit you out. Because you are not righteous. You got it? Now, that's why you need to be very confident of whose righteousness you are walking in. See, that is why the Bible says, a day is coming when my people will all be righteous and they will, what will happen to the land? They will inherit it for how long? Forever. So your inheritance is linked completely to what? Your righteousness. So if you are trying to be righteous with your own brownie points, guess what happens? 
One day you are righteous, next day you are not. One day you are righteous, next day you are not. One day you gave something to the poor, next day you are not. One day you sinned, next day you are not. One day you saw a bad movie, next day you are not. You got it? You have this. What's happening to your son? Going down. Your son is going down. Correct? But he says here, people shall all be righteous. But then look at what he says. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that who should be glorified? Look at, in righteousness, God is very zealous that who gets the glory for your righteousness? Whose planting are you? His plant. Whose work are you? Who gets the glory? Who does the work? Who gets the glory? Who does the work? So who gets the glory? He gets the glory. <laughs> He's trying to test. <laughs> there you go. If he does the work, he gets the glory. If you do the work, you have to get the glory. Correct? But your work is shabby. So God says you cannot get do enough work to make yourself righteous. Just to prove this point. Okay, this, is this good? Is this good? This prophecy, a sun shall not go down, you shall all be righteous, you will inherit the land forever, and all this. If anybody doesn't believe in the prosperity gospel, I, I would throw this book at them. <laughs> throw it at them. Because tell them, read it. Read Isaiah 60. And tell me. Because the gospel has prosperity integral to it. You shall go out with great position. That is prosperity. I mean, you cannot deny that. It's not provision. It's not provision. There is no provision gospel. I know people like to kind of downplay it. There's no provision gospel. It's prosperity gospel. You, you don't like it? Too bad. Too bad. God doesn't say, oh, you just have too much. You should just have enough provision. I never see that in the Bible. It's always like, oh, more than enough. Twelve basketfuls. What do you do with the basketful? I don't know what you do. Just collect it. And then after they collect it, they forget to take it. Total waste. Total waste. And then they're like, what, what are twelve basketfuls? We forget to collect it. And, they, and Jesus does not rebuke them about that. Jesus said, what's the problem? When, when you had less, I made it more. Now you don't have anything. Guess what? Oh my goodness. What is anything divided by zero? Ah, 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 ah. Somebody got their math wrong. What is something something divided by zero? No. What is five divided by zero? No. Infinity. No. In real. Guys, math. One oh one. Zero divided by five is zero. Correct. If you don't have anything, you divide it by anything is zero. But if you have everything, but you divide it by the smallest amount, what will happen? Infinity. That means with your zero becomes an infinity. That means Jesus is giving them a physics and mathematical problem. Do you know if now if I try to multiply your nothing, what will happen? Oh my, they will have so much bread in that boat. That it will explode because they didn't have any more bread. But the less you have, the more Jesus multiplies. Suppose you have nothing. How much can he multiply? Thank God he didn't multiply bread in that boat. Because in zero is dangerous for Jesus. 
Zero is dangerous. Don't come to Jesus with zero. You better come with him with one because you cannot, you cannot handle what he will multiply to you. Isn't that how humility brings great exaltation in the presence of the king? Amen? So what are you talking about? So who gets the glory? Then look at verse this. Verse 3. Uh, 61 verse 3. That they may be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Again he repeats that. We are called trees of righteousness. Who planted us when we were born again as trees of righteousness? Jesus. The Father planted us. So we are trees of righteousness. We are forever trees of righteousness. That he will be glorified. Okay. So the question is this. If this is so good, when will this happen? Look at the verse 22. Somebody read verse 22. Okay. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Okay, so he gives all this good news to Israel, to the prophet Isaiah. He says all these good things. And finally he says, not now, not now. <laughs> this is not good. He says, not now. Not going to happen now. I, the Lord, will hasten it when? In its time. In its time. Is it time yet? Yes. Oh, guys, y'all guys are prepared. Is it time yet? Alex, is it time yet? How do you know it's time yet? The light, huh? the light has come. But look at, so was there a specific point of time in history when this prophecy was fulfilled, when God could mark it and say, yes, this is the time. This is the time. Did you know what time is it? Just look at the next verse. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. What does it say? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Okay. Okay. So now good tidings, he's now getting ready to preach. Then verse 2. Acceptable. That means the year of the Lord has come. See, all these prophecies was waiting for a day when God, somebody will get up and say, what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And when did that happen? Jesus shows up in Galilee. When was it? In Capernaum, in Nazareth. He actually does mention in Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Yeah, you got it. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where, as he was brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue and the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he quotes Isaiah 61. Man, Israel was waiting. See, Israel had this question. I, the Lord, will hasten it at its time. Not now. Not in this generation. Not in this generation. But you're waiting, 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 waiting. Until the Messiah shows up in a synagogue of all the places in Galilee. You know, Galilee is not even in Judea. Judea is where all the action is. The prophets used to always come out of Judea, of Jerusalem. But this prophet shows up in Galilee, which is like the place of the Gentiles. Nobody cares for that land. Nazareth, God-forsaken land. 
all, all prostitutes and tax collectors and and God sends his savior to Galilee to proclaim this good news. What all of the world is waiting for. All of Isaiah 60 is waiting for the declaration saying, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jesus says. The spirit of, he quotes this and then he stops at verse 19 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stops, he doesn't say the vengeance of the Lord because he's not come to preach that yet. That he'll do when he comes again. And then verse 20, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. All the eyes of everybody was fixed on him. And then he began to say to him what? Done! See, they don't care what he said, the rest of the things. I mean, Nazareth didn't value that. But look at what Jesus said. What did Jesus say after he quoted the Isaiah 61? Hold it. What did he say? Today. Today. Come on, what did he say? Today, what is he answering? The time. The time. I, will, I, the Lord, will hasten it at its time. When, Lord? Today. Say today. Say today. Say today. Say today. Okay, let me ask you a question. So what's, what prophecy has happened today? When Jesus said that, when he, the moment he said today, it is fulfilled how? Look at what he said. How is it fulfilled? In your hearing. That means if you don't hear it, what happens? It's not fulfilled for you. There you go. There you go. The gospel is very simple. The gospel is here, brothers and sisters. The gospel has been preached for 2000 years. It's here in the earth. Isaiah 60 is operation. How many shells are there in this Isaiah 60? 38 shells of contract is pregnant and operating in this world for those who hear. 38 shells are waiting for you. Contracts written in the blood of Jesus is waiting on you. Today. Because the Lord said, I will hasten it. Israel said, Lord, why not in my generation? Why not today? Why not? And you know how many generations died reading Isaiah 60? They never get the benefit of it until in the Nazareth, a man shows up. And said, today, it's fulfilled. Is it going to be fulfilled, Alex? No, it is fulfilled. It's done. Means there is no pending requirement right now. It's fulfilled. But it's fulfilled. What is the requirement for you? I'm telling you, you have to hear it. You have to believe it. In your hearing, okay? Is that, is that good? Is it good? He sat and he said, in today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, it's fulfilled. It's happened. It's happened. And he started preaching this message everywhere. He started preaching this message, you know. Before he came to Nazareth. So, this is very good. I mean, this, you will love it. This is so good. This is just, the Lord just showed me this today. I was preparing. So, the time for this message, this good news, was restricted by whom? By God the Father. Because Jesus said, I cannot do anything unless the Father, I see the Father do. He, he wouldn't preach this message. You remember Jesus grew up on the earth for how many years? 33 years. When did he start his ministry? 30 years. 30 years. For 30 years, he never preached this good news. Because why? 
It was not authorized by the Father. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. See how, so 30 years Jesus held back with this message. He was only anointed to preach this message after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. So that no flesh shall get the glory, not even the Son of Man, that God gets the glory. That is why the Bible says, the flesh profits nothing. The Spirit gives life. My words are spirit, they are life. Now this is huge. I mean, we'll talk about it in a different message altogether. Your flesh, that means your human effort does not profit. Not even, now this might offend a lot of people here, not even the human effort of Jesus. Jesus did not even depend on his human effort. That is why Jesus said, I of myself can do have you ever heard that? And he was like, no, Jesus, no, 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 you don't mean it. No, I mean it. I of myself can do nothing. Who is saying this? A spotless, sinless son of man is telling, I of myself cannot do nothing. I only do what I see my father do. Only when the Spirit was anointed upon him is was he empowered to do the works of the Spirit. How much more you and I? How much more you and I? You think you... I mean, yes, he couldn't... He said he can't do anything apart from the Spirit. So it's very important. So for 30 years he held back this message. But somebody couldn't wait to receive this miracle. Let's go back to... Uh, Let's go back to the miracle before it's time. Just repeat after me. The miracle, the miracle. Before, it's time. before it's time. Do you want to see the miracle before Jesus started preaching the good news? You want to see the miracle that happened before Jesus preached the good news? Before the day when he said this time is fulfilled? Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. Uh, look, at the, look at John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Did he, did he know that? Okay, let's remember that. A miracle before its time. Say the miracle. You will learn something so powerful because of this. Okay. Are you all still there? Okay, I know your bodies are weak, but your spirit is willing, correct? But I want you to get, I can't let you go before getting the desert and the meat. Uh, uh, look at John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they had ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Look at Jesus' response. Woman, wow. What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. What is Mary wanting from Jesus? Isaiah chapter 16. Correct? But Jesus is saying, oh, my heart has not yet come. My heart has not yet come. I cannot do this. Because what has your concern to do with me? Jesus is being sincere. He's not being rude. Because at this point of time, who is he? He is a son of man. Correct? He is the son of God. Because he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Even before Jesus had done one miracle, the father is pleased in him. 
but yet he's saying your concern has what is that to do with me i am not obligated to do anything to this what is that to do with me this is this doesn't make any sense unless you know what isaiah 60 says only i the lord will hasten it at its time amen amen so now now what happened what happened so here is a problem that oh my goodness the mercy of god god cannot hasten it at its time he has a time when the message is going to be preached the message is not going to be preached in cana the message is going to be preached in galilee cana is in galilee but there's a time and an appointed time when the time is fulfilled correct but he's not going to do it at right now but someone is trying to press in and trying to get to jesus and receive isaiah 60 blessings right now but the time is not yet and jesus is saying what is that to do with me my hour is not yet she the mother said something so beautiful mother said to the servants whatever he says do it so what did the mother do what is the mother doing right now was that remember what he said in john chapter 1 if you are going to receive how are you going to receive no of his fullness we have all received so here who is running out of wine they are running out of wine so who is full jesus so the moment mary sees jesus full guess what whether jesus likes it or not his hour has come or not wine flows out wine has to flow your need has to be met jesus cannot help it but wine will be produced because of his fullness you have received he doesn't care whether the father has a time or not he doesn't care whether the son feels time or not the moment you see jesus full your needs are going to get met of his fullness you will receive the moment mary saw jesus i don't have wine we don't have wine but this man has wine but jesus is not carrying around <laughs> not carrying around jack daniels and all that in his bag he's not carrying around wine he's not carrying around wine but mary knows he has wine i don't know where he's getting it but i have seen this man has wine of his fullness the moment he she said that do whatever he tells him to do mary is saying of his fullness guess what we are all going to receive today whether it is time or not what does that show the mercy of god you can receive how do you think all the old testament saints and the prophets received even before its time because they saw he who forgives even before the new covenant was released they all saw god as a god who forgives how the new covenant forgiveness is only in the new covenant correct but yet moses saw god who forgives david after he committed adultery he saw god who forgives everybody they they are like god is saying no 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 this is the new covenant this is the old covenant 
and in the old covenant you cannot receive forgiveness but we see you a god who forgives the moment they saw him as a god who forgives what happened to them they received forgiveness when they saw jesus god as full doesn't matter the covenant doesn't matter the time doesn't matter the situation you receive hallelujah if you know the secret brothers and sisters you will have no limits on what you can receive in any area of your life so guess what jesus does you have never seen this i'm telling you you have never seen this i know it this is spirit told me a lot of people have not seen this look at what he did now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the jews what are six a picture of man what are what is and is this water pots full no how do you know this water pot is not full jesus said fill it up because before jesus came six man was always empty or not full and guess what and what was the water in the pots used for look at what it says constantly being purified a man is always being purified and cannot ever contain the water do you want to see look at read the uh, read jeremiah jeremiah chapter Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 can somebody read that quickly and loudly Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 One three. For my people have committed two evils; they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What is Jeremiah saying to Israel? There are two sins my people have committed. They have forsaken me, a fountain of living waters, and made themselves cisterns that can hold no water. <laughs> That's a picture of man. Six pots. cannot even hold water and they have forsaken the living water of fountains correct so jesus shows up in cana and he says what fill the water pots with water and then what and and what look at verse 7 fill the water pots with water and they filled it how to the brim why fullness who fullness jesus. jesus as who god or as a man as a man say a full man a perfect man has shown up a perfect man full has shown up say a perfect man full has shown up and then what did he say in verse 8 So now what are they drawing off of his fullness the moment he drew off his fullness what happened 
it became wine. You got it? Now you understand the miracle of Cana? The miracle of Cana is the perfect man, had a full man has shown up and of his fullness we have received. That's the prophetic picture. Of his fullness. So they had to see Jesus as a man who is full. And doesn't need to be cleansed. Why is the water reducing in the pot? Because they are using the water to do what? To purify themselves. Why doesn't Jesus' pot of water never go down? He is already pure and sinless. So he is spotless and sinless. So they saw a spotless and sinless man and saw him full. That's why Jesus said, fill it to the brim. Because the perfect man has come. You got it? Of his fullness. The moment he did that, even though it was not the time, Bobby, it was not the time for the miracle, the miracle happened. And Jesus still did not preach the gospel. So when did he preach the gospel? He preached the gospel. Go back to Mark chapter 2. Go back to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Matthew, Mark. Mark, Mark chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. Can somebody read that? Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, Time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. See, the time is fulfilled. Isaiah 61 has... Isaiah 60 has happened. The time is fulfilled. He went from Cana, he went back to Capernaum, and then started preaching this message. See, the miracle of Cana was before the time, but yet they received it because they saw Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's see the miracle of Isaiah 60 in action. Do you want to see that miracle in action? Correct? Now we know the time has happened. Now, did I just show you that Mark said the time has fulfilled, right? So now everything about that. So what day is it? According to Isaiah chapter, Luke chapter 4, what day is it? Today. Today. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Let's assume, what is today? Today is uh, Saturday, correct? Suppose I change this day, uh, the date, I change the name of the day from Saturday to today. Correct? Okay. When does today end? No. When does it end? How do you know when the day ends? When the sun goes down. Okay? But according to Isaiah chapter 60, your sun shall never go down. So what day is, when will today end? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If today is today, and if the sun doesn't go down, what day, how long will today be today? So when does today, when did today start? No. 
No. No. No, Christ. When Jesus didn't born for 30 years, he didn't <laughs> preach this message. In the, in, the, in the miracle of Cana, was it today? No. No. It was only when he preached in Galilee, in the synagogue, said, the time is fulfilled. Isaiah 60 starts kicking in. See, remember, every contract has a what date? Effective date. That's the word I'm looking for. Every contract has an effective date. You can have all the best goodies. My father is going to give me all the uh, inheritance until I die. <laughs> so if he says like that, then the effective date is what? Guys, what is the effective date? Day of his death. So the day of the death, sometimes there is a lot of Rejoicing. <laughs> yeah, some houses I'm sure there is, right? So, so, so if today, so when did today start, Manor? 2000 years back. So 2000 years back, today started. How long is today going to continue for you? How long? Forever. So, you mean my today never ends? Yes. So if your today never ends, all of your promises will remain valid, isn't it? Because your sun never goes down. Because God said, when today it will be fulfilled, not tomorrow, not yesterday. When is it fulfilled? Today. So today it's fulfilled. So when you sleep, what time, what day is it? When you wake up, what day is it? So you don't run out of time right now. Alex, you don't run out of time. It's always today. All that God has promised is you receive right now. Receive. Okay. Now let's go to look at look at Isaiah 60 in action. John chapter 4. Now re- uh, so repeat after me. Isaiah 60. Isaiah 61. Matthew 4. John 4. Luke 4. Matthew, uh, Mark 4. Hebrews 4. Romans 4. That's the message. All of this is in these chapters, right? So references you can remember for life. What, is the, uh, cha- what are the chapters? Can you repeat? All the gospel. Hebrews 4. Romans 4. Got it? You got it? So now let's go quickly, quickly to everything and we'll close, right? Let's go to John chapter 4. Let's see Isaiah 16 action. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Now, verse 46 onwards. Now, Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Now, we have a context. And there was a certain noble man whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. But the nobleman, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before your my son, my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed. And the word that, that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour in which he got better. And he said, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which 
Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household, and this was the second sign that Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Now this sign is after what? After today. Correct? After Jesus said this time is fulfilled. So this is Isaiah 60 benefit. Correct? So here is a noble man who hears about Jesus. Comes out. He's come to Galilee again. He goes out to meet him. His son is sick in Capernaum. Now Jesus is where? No. Both are in Galilee. Galilee is the big region. Cana is in Galilee. Capernaum is Galilee. Where is Jesus right now? In Cana. Where is the nobleman's son sick? In Capernaum. So the nobleman hears that Jesus is in Cana. He goes to meet Jesus. And he goes to meet Jesus and says, Jesus, please, please, please. My son is at the point of death. Please come down where? To? To Capernaum. And come and heal my son. Correct? So Jesus says, very interesting. He says, unless you see signs and wonders you shall you you by no means believe that means what is he saying you are depending on what to believe sight okay so let me ask you a question how does he know that his son is sick who can volunteer he saw his son sick in Capernaum correct how did he see his son sick sister how does he see his son sick? How did he see his son sick? Huh? By looking at him. Suppose there was no sunlight. Can he see his son? No. So how does he know that his son is sick? Hold it. If there is no sunlight, can he see? No. So what is he depending? No, one sec. No. <laughs> no. This is the father, right? So I right? Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is, if there is no sunlight, a, the, a, a theoretical situation, yeah, right. if he cannot see his son, right. will he know that his son is sick? He might feel a fever on him or something. Fever, okay. But still, heat waves are also radiation, right? Everything is light, yeah. correct? So what is needed for him to see an evil report? No, the sun. You need the sun of the day to tell you an evil report. What? Okay, so he is seeing that his son is sick. But who is giving him this report? The sun. The sunlight falling on his son who is dying, reflecting off his weak, dying body, coming into his eyes. And what is he doing about that report? Jesus. No, he is believing that report. So he's, he believes which report? He believes the report of the son. You got it? Yeah. I'm trying to break down Isaiah 60 for you. Okay? Okay. So he, he believes the report of the son. I know there are two sons here, S-U-O-N, S-U-N, but this whole chapter is about sons. Let's take it that way, okay? So, but it's very important for you to know this. Very important for you to know this. There are two sons in your life all the time. So, he's depending on the natural light to tell them that his son is sick. So, he depends on this report. He believes this report because he has no, 
why, why, why does he not doubt this report of the natural light falling on his sun, reflecting off his body, coming to his eyes, he receives the vision and he says that, yes, my son is sick. Why does he believe it? Because that's how he's brought up. That's how he, what is that, what is that defined as generally in people's life? What is that called? No, it's called experience. Experience, right? So suppose, suppose if your experience was somebody becomes sick and suddenly they become very healthy by looking sick, then that would be your experience. But we know by natural law, if you see somebody sick and you are about and they become more and more weak, that means they are going to die. Who told them that? Experience. Experience. But where is this report coming? By seeing. Correct? Okay, so they go to see. That is why Jesus uses what words? Unless you see. You will not believe. So he wants Jesus to come to Capernaum because he doesn't. He doesn't want what? No, 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 no. Yeah, that is I agree. What what does he want Jesus to do? He wants Jesus to travel with him all the way back from Cana to Capernaum, right? Why does he want Jesus to come down all the way to Capernaum? Because he wants Jesus to physically do a miracle that he can actually. He still wants to depend on the. Son, sight. He doesn't want to depend on what? Hearing. Hearing. But Isaiah 60 is operating how? In seeing or hearing. This scripture is fulfilled in what? In your seeing or in your hearing? Hearing. So Jesus says, I already did a miracle in Cana of Galilee. So you already know that I can do. That means of my fullness you can receive. Correct? So if you see me whole, you can walk away. That means now you are not depending on what? The sun. The sun but you are depending on what? Jesus. The sun. <laughs> you got it? Okay. So Jesus, that's why he used the word unless you see. And this is the problem with a lot of believers. They want to actually see it. Unless I see it, I cannot believe that God is going to do this thing. You want to see it. God says, Jesus says, no, I will not do this for you. Why? Because he's being merciful to him. Because if every time I have to show up in Capernaum, if tomorrow somebody else shows up as me, because he's not depending on natural light, correct? Anybody can show up. Satan can show up, correct? As an angel of light, correct? Anybody can show up and he will be deceived. But he says, what he says? Look at what he says. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. That means you are not believing by what I say. You are believing by what you see. That means you are depending on what, Manohar? On the sun. Correct? Okay. Then he said, go your way, you are sunless. He releases the word. He releases the word because the word is going to do the work in his life. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Now as he was going down, servants met him and told him, your son lives. That happened. So he inquired of them at what hour he got better. And he said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Okay. It's very important. The hour that he got better. You will shout with joy when he, you will know what hour he got better. Do you know what hour he got better? Seven. Seventh hour. Say the seventh hour. Seven. You wouldn't know what the seventh hour is except Linux because we shared about it. We're sharing this message with somebody else. So what, 
no. Yeah, kind of in, in a sense, you know. But what is the second thought? Jewish, uh, Jewish day has 12 hours of a day and 12 hours in the night. So the Jewish day starts at 6 o'clock in the morning. Correct? There are 12 hours in the day, 12 hours in the night. So let's start counting from 6 o'clock in the morning. Let's start counting. 6 o'clock is the first hour. 7 o'clock, the second hour. 8 o'clock, the third hour. 9 o'clock, the fourth hour. 10 o'clock, the fifth hour. 11 o'clock, the sixth hour. 12 o'clock, seventh hour. What hour did the miracle happen? What hour? 12 o'clock in the afternoon. What is, what is 12 o'clock in the afternoon? What happens at 12 o'clock in the afternoon? Huh? The sun is at what? It's the brightest. At the brightest point, the sun is telling what about his sun? No. The sun, the natural sun at 12 o'clock in the noon is telling what about his sun? He's sick. The 12 o'clock, the son of God is telling what about his son? Is he? Who is right? Jesus. Your son shall no longer be your son by day. So now you don't depend on the natural son for your report. You depend on the son of God. For he shall be your everlasting light. You got it? At 12 o'clock, that's when the sun is the brightest. Amen? The brightest sun in the afternoon is telling him what? Your son is dead. He's dying. But at the brightest time of the natural sun, the son of God is telling your son lives. Who wins? Son of God wins. So your son, you shall no longer need the sun by day, nor the moon by night. Or if you could, because in those days, they, 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 in the night time, if they wanted to see, they had to have the moon. Today they would say, you no longer need the sun by day and the LED lights by night. You don't need it. Because what I say, what I say is going to be the fact. So now you, you are not the world. I am the light of the world. That's why when that adulterous woman was caught in an adultery and she was caught and everybody was trying to stone her. And finally we know the story of he, 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 he raised himself up two times. He wrote two times. Very prophetic picture. Remember what I said? When Jesus moves, history moves. So when he's writing, it's a picture of God writing the law on Mount Sinai. So the first time he wrote, because they thought that they were righteous and was condemning others, so he wrote the law on the earth. He stooped down and wrote the law on stone. So, and he continued writing and would not listen to him. Because under the old covenant, because you are a sinner, God would not listen to you. Correct? It's a history picture there. And then he continues to write and then he raises up. That's a picture of his coming down as a sinless, spotless man of God. And he says, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. That's a picture of he coming to earth because they never got the history lesson. So he shows up and says, no one, you all think you all are righteous? Compare it to me. Who among you can condemn me of sin? So that's his first raising up. Then he raises up and he again writes down. But this time he writes, he doesn't write the law. He writes what? He writes a new covenant. That I will remember your sins 
no more. While he writes that, they start getting condemned by their conscience, not by his writing. Then he, so while he's writing the new covenant, he rises up again. That's a picture of his resurrection. The moment he rises up, there is no enemies left because he has paid the price. And then he tells the woman, go. Where are your, all your accusers? Means after resurrection, there is no accusers because the law was against you. Now Jesus just rose again. He waited till he rose again to say, where are your accusers? Because that's what we are. We are in a place where there is nobody can accuse us. And there was nobody there. And then he tells to the public, he says, I am the light of the world. Wow. You would think that when God says, I'm the light of the world, you run away from the light. But the light of Jesus is a light that says, I declare you righteous. A light that declares you righteous. Not a light that you should hide from. A light that declares you righteous. So this noonday sun is declaring what? That you are righteous. So while this nobleman is going towards Galilee, to his hometown, what is he going through his mind? Is my son healed? Is my son not healed? Because now, what is going on in his, what is troubled in his heart? His soul. He heard the voice, but his soul is very turmoil. But he continues to walk. But what was the word doing while he was walking? The word was working. The word was working. The word was working. And let's go and read, and we'll close with this because we don't have time to go through the rest of that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's, let's look at the word today. Let's start with today. Verse 7. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. And again he designates a certain day saying in David, today. Wow, I love the word today after this today. Right? Today. After such a long time it has been today if you hear his voice. See, what, what should you do in the day called today? Hear his voice. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not afterward spoken about another day. There remains therefore rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For if you hear this word, what does the word do? does in the background? For the word of God, say, repeat after me, living, living. and sharper. Then a two-edged sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what he's saying, I'm, telling, I'm, I'm going to try to compress this as fast as I can. So what is he saying is, while you are waiting, you believe God's word. So okay, let me ask you a simple question. When did the nobleman's eyes catch up to what had already happened? Not yet. When he saw it. So finally his eyes caught up with what he had already heard. But how long did it take? Almost a day. 
yesterday at the seventh hour. So he almost, he's been walking for how many? Almost 24 hours. He's been walking towards Capernaum. That means what he believed was manifested to his eyes. How, 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 how much later? A day later. But only when he saw it. So your eyes will eventually catch up. But in the meantime, what is going on with, with your soul? Your soul is all your emotions. What's happening to your emotions? What's happening to your emotions while you are believing God's word? What's happening to you? You're anxious. Is my son healed? Is my son healed? Because the moment you see it, your heart rejoices. But because you're depending on the natural light to get you the report, you cannot rejoice. That is why Isaiah 60 says, lift up your eyes. And your heart will be glad. See, he's saying lift up your eyes means not your natural eyes. You see it like Bobby. You're believing for a house. You start now believing and seeing in your spirit the house that you want. You have to see it. And then it will be turned to you. Say, turn to me. Turn to me. What I see, say, repeat after me. What I see shall be turned to me. Hey, it rhymes, man. It rhymes. What I see will be turned to me. What I see shall be turned to me. Now you have to see it. You, you cannot depend on your natural eyes to wait for it. You will wait too long. Make sense? You will wait too long. So he, by, by the time he reached Capernaum, he saw his boy. His boy was already healed. So in the meantime, he, so what the Hebrew says is, the word of God is sharper. And Sharper than a two-edged sword, it divides the soul and the spirit. Now, let me explain this to you because you are strong believers and you you will understand. What happens is many times when you are depending on God's word, you are going through some trouble, what your experiences is, what your emotions are, is so connected to your spirit, you are not able to make a distinction between is this reality or is this evil report. Make sense? Like for example, you don't, you are believing, let's say you are believing for a house. And you, you're going for a house, you just don't have the money, you're, you're, not, you're just not able to put finances, and those experiences are built up over so many years, correct? So now you're waiting for a new house, all those stupid evil experiences under the sun is now connected to your spirit. Your spirit is born again, because whose planting are you? Jesus, God's planting. You are his planting trees of righteousness. You are perfect. But your soul is not pure. So the word has to now make a division between your spirit and your soul. That means your word, while while you are resting, the word is working and dividing and removing the evil experiences and manifesting what lines up with your spirit. Make sense? So what happens is, so finally, he, so he's having this emotion. Uh, I heard Jesus' word, but will my son really be healed? Really be healed? So while he's walking, halfway he's come to his destination, his servants meet up. By the time the word has already worked in his spirit, divided between his soul and spirit, because the spirit is saying, believe Jesus' word. His soul is saying, but I saw him sick. But by the time, halfway down the word, his word has now made a distinction between his spirit and his soul. Now he recognizes that what his soul is telling is evil report. So now, and now he starts believing, his soul is now purified and now starts believing the truth. 
So then, when his servants met him, he was never surprised. All he wanted to know was what? What are? What are? That's way different than really. <laughs> if he had ever said really, it would have been, it would have not been a miracle because it would have never happened. Because what was going on in the background? The soul. Say the soul. Is dividing the soul and the spirit. The, sorry, the word is dividing the soul and the spirit, and is trying to catch up and manifesting the what you believe with your spirit. Make sense? You got it? Okay. Now I want you to go, go to Mark chapter four. Remember, you got Hebrews chapter four. Let's go to Mark chapter four. By the way, Hebrews chapter four says the same. Look at. Go stay in Hebrews chapter four. Let's read that first. Verse 14, since we have a great high priest who had passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Confession of what? You believe unto the word. So we do not have a high priest who was not tested, but he was tested just like we were, yet without sin. So he's saying Jesus was also challenged in the same way. Jesus was tested in the same area of holding fast to God's word. Amen? Okay, now let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Okay, verse 26 to 28. Now he's, 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 he's giving an example on how this word works. Now the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground and should sleep by day. Say sleep. Sleep. Sleep by night. Should sleep by night. And rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. So how does the word operate while you are resting? How does it operate? Joseph. You do not know. Say I do not know. I do not care. Say. I do not know. I do not care. But I know that the word works. And it is living. And it is it's awake. And it is working on my behalf, even when I am sleeping. So, what does what does Jesus say? How does the word do? When you sow the seed, what are you supposed to do? Sleep. Look, read it again. Let's read this again. And this is very important because we have believers have this really irritating tendency to sow the seed and then what? Dig it up. Dig it up. <laughs> Dig it up. No. Sow the seed and sleep. Josh, what should you do with the word of God that is in your life? Sleep. The best things in life happen when you sleep. Example? Come on, you missed this. Your wife. How was he created? When Adam slept. See, the best things in life happen when you sleep. Why? Because who is working for you? Word is working for you. The word is working for you. So, when a man sows the seed, he should sleep. So, let, no, it's not may sleep. Let's, let's read this. I, you have to get this. Let's read verse 27. And should sleep. And should sleep. Come on, repeat. Should sleep. Repeat. Should sleep. Come on, repeat. Alex. Should sleep. You should sleep. Should sleep. No, you. it is vain for you to rise up early, rise up early and 
stay up late. Why? Because unless the Lord builds the city, the laborers labor in vain. You got it? That prophecy, that verse is for this. What should you do when the word is sown? Bobby? I know you, you should have heard it inside. You should sleep. Look at verse Mark chapter 4 verse 27. I want you to underline that. And should sleep. Did everybody underline that verse? I don't know whether you don't like to underline that Bible. I don't care but just underline it. Should sleep. Because the enemy comes after God gives you a word. The enemy comes to get you to to get you to to work. To not sleep. He so which is when we were sharing with that lady, that's what happened. Immediately, I'm back again with the worries. Because that's what the enemy, that's what you said. Relax, rest in the promises of God. That's what the enemy does. He is a creature of habit. He's a creature of habit. He does it all the time. God sends you a word, and he knows that the only way he can keep the seed from growing is for you to dig it up. So you have to sleep. Say, I should sleep. I should sleep. sleep, Okay? So, and how will the seed grow? Manor. Yes. But what should be the answer? I don't know and I don't care. (laughs) Come on. How will the seed grow? I don't know. I don't care. Uh, Rajesh, how will the seed grow? How will you get a big house? I don't care. Come on, Alex, how will you get a good job? I don't care. I don't care. I don't You all guys have to get this in your spirit. This who does the work? No, the word does the work. The word does the work. I don't know and I don't care. Now can you believe for impossible things? Because I don't know how it grows and I don't care. Lenny, can you believe for a great expansion in your ministry? Yes. How will it, how will it happen, Lenny? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> it sounds so good coming from you. Because <laughs> she is so sweet. She will never say that word, I don't care. <laughs> that is so out of character for her. <laughs> I'm sure she said that to Timothy and Josiah. <laughs> I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> Come on. So repeat after me. How will the word work? Oh my goodness, y'all guys have no zeal. Uh, how will the word work? I don't know. Come on, how will the word work, Sushil? I don't know and I don't care. I don't know and I don't care. Because I sleep. You got it? Should sleep. Mark it down. Should sleep, not may sleep. It's not a suggestion. Go to sleep. Now, do you want to see Jesus operating in the same principle? Same chapter, you have never seen this. Okay, go down. Verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, when evening comes, what happens? Sun has gone down. So when the sun goes down, you are not depending on the sun. What are you waiting for? No. The word! See, when the sun, see, you are, what is the nobleman waiting for? When the sun, he doesn't care for the sun. I mean, there he was caring for the sun. That's why he wanted. When the sun is up or the sun is down, what are you waiting for? The word. Okay. So, when the evening had come, 
the word see the word gets the word happens he said to them what let us cross over to the other side is it a big word no how how are they going to get there ah you missed it you missed this how are they going to get there come on reply how will they get there i don't know i don't care because the word has gone forth so what are they supposed to do now No, what are they supposed to do now? Should sleep. Say repeat after me. Should sleep. Okay. Now let's see what Jesus did. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along as he was. What is that about? They took him as he was. Means what what's happened to Jesus? Jesus is sleeping. Because the moment he gave the word, he just followed what he said six verses before. After the word is so, what do you do? go to sleep so jesus went to sleep so what are they doing and they are they oh my goodness that's so sweet that is true how <laughs> many that is so true they are thinking so jesus has gone to sleep on what word so who is going to get them to the other side the word correct how will the word get them to the other side i don't know i don't care right who will get them to the other side the word how will the word get them to the other side i don't know i don't care okay so look at what they did in a great wind and there were little boats with also with them so where is the word right now the word the word is sleeping no but what does hebrews say about the word is in your mouth no no we just read what is the word is doing no what is the exact word the the word of god is living that means the seed is living and sharper and dividing the soul versus the spirit right so now what's happening in the boat so the word of god is sleeping actually yes jesus is sleeping jesus is the word of god but jesus is operating like a man right now so he released the word as the son of god and now he receives he is resting as the son of man amen because the 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 lord of israel will not slumber no sleep so is he the lord of israel at this point of time no he is sleeping like a son of man but he released the word as the son of god you got the picture is that good but what is the word doing at this point of time it is living and it is navigating the boat it is making sure the boat is not affected by all the storms who is doing the work the word so what's happening and what are they supposed to do sleep okay so jesus went to sleep and a great wind storm arose and the waves beat into the boat so they were always full it was already filling and he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him <laughs> they awoke the lord <laughs> and said i mean this is what they said teacher do you not care my goodness you not only woke jesus up and you tell him that you don't care wow they know god jesus very well do you not care that we are perishing wow my goodness unbelief spouting out of it like rain you are we are perishing you don't care for us 
you are asleep, you don't bother, oh my goodness, everything. So what is happening? Before the wind, wind came, who was in the boat? Jesus, along with what kind of disciples? No, before the storm came. Believing disciples. But when the storm came, what happened? So, remember, their experiences of the Sea of Galilee with its storms are so connected to their spirit that before the storm came, it was not visible. The impurity of their soul. Listen to this very closely. Because your soul is very deceptive. When there is no testing and trial, it will look as if you are a man of faith. But the word knows that experiences that are connected to your spirit are evil. But just because there are no testings in your life, it gets passed over as Christianity. Now this is deep. Because unless the storm came, you would never know that they believed God, Jesus' word. Correct? Correct? If the word, if the test, the storms had not come, they would have gone through the boat and you would have all believed what? That they believed Jesus' word that we are going to get over to the other side. But moment the testing happened, what, what showed up? Their unbelief showed up, correct? That is why Hebrews says the word of God is living and sharper, dividing even between the soul and the spirit, no discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, their heart was not purified. So the true nature came up that they don't believe Jesus. Jesus cares. And Jesus calls that what? How is it that you don't have faith? You got the picture? So, so what happens is, so when, so what happens is when you receive God's word in your life, right? You receive it with joy, correct? Go to sleep. So let storms come. Who cares? Right? Don't change your confession. Let the word change that experiences for you. So let the word work and calm the storms. Don't change your confession to what the sun is telling about you. So in the night, let me ask you a question. How do they know that there is such a great storm? They are awake. So what are they depending on for this evil report? Their sight. Which Are they living in Isaiah 60 or not? No. Because now the sun shall no longer be a light by day nor the moon by night. So even at night you are supposed to depend on whom? On the word of God. Your sun shall not go down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your sun shall not go down. And I'll close with this. Remember Jesus had the same challenge. And I will, I'll not go through the chapters. I'll close it. And you all can go and look at it. So Jesus goes, shows up. He said, uh, Hebrews says, remember, this struggle that you have between the soul and the spirit, that your experiences is saying something and your spirit is saying something about the word. But your experience is saying this is not possible. He said, this is not uncommon. Jesus 
was tested in the same area, but yet without sin. So he said, go boldly to God, Jesus, and he'll help you. So you go back and read Matthew chapter 4. Okay, remember the force? Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, John chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. We covered Mark chapter 4. We covered Luke chapter 4. We covered John chapter 4. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, Satan takes Jesus and tested him three times. What is the first testing? He was hungry. So can, he, can Jesus see bread in the wilderness? No. But what can Jesus see? No. Stones. So Satan comes and tests him saying, you cannot see bread. Why don't you convert what you can see to something that you can see? Right? But Jesus says, man shall not live by that is what I can see, but I shall live by word. Because I am supposed to live according to Isaiah chapter 60. The scripture is fulfilled in my hearing. Because Jesus, God the Father just told him about baptism that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I have to live by that, that I am a son of God. So if I am the son of God in the wilderness, what should happen to a son of God? Should there be food? Should there be food for the son of God in the wilderness? Come on. Yes. Should there be food or not? Yes, yes or no? Yes. But I cannot see it. Huh. Which is the case with a lot of believers. I should be wealthy but I cannot see it. So what should your response be? I, I can see it. I can see it as fullness. And I know I have it. I don't see it. But I don't care. Because my son has not gone down. And I am not depending on this son. So the natural son in the Judean wilderness is telling Jesus what? There is no bread. Go home to Jerusalem. There is no bread. Jesus, there is no bread in this wilderness. How hot is the sun? Very hot. Is it, it is showing brightly? Is he absolutely sure? Sure. The sun is shining brightly. So, but Jesus is not depending on the sun. To believe for his bread. He knows there is bread. So, but, so Satan is testing him and saying, do you believe this? Or do you, do you have to see it to believe it? So Satan always tests you in your soul, not in your spirit. Not in your spirit, because your spirit is born again. Correct? He cannot test you in that. Very important. So he always tests you by bringing in the wind, the bringing in the sea bringing in the outside situation or the evil report. Like, for example, this is great. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry it's taking late, but this is deep. You all guys need to get it. How do you know that you have a, like, you, you go for a scan? Correct? What are you depending on? <laughs> report. How do you get this report? By rays going into your body, reflecting off, coming back on a film and telling you a report. What are you depending on? You are depending on a sun to reflect off the body and get your report so that when you believe the report, you are healed. And how many times has this happened? The moment you get a ne negative report, means you got a positive, I don't know how to use the word negative positive in medical terms. In a medical terms, negative report is a, what, good report? Huh? It's a good report. Okay. In a spiritual life, negative report is a bad report. Okay. Take, suppose you get an x-ray with everything clear. You got a sonography, everything clear. When you get a mammogram, everything clear. Guess what? All your pages go off in one week. 
Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that it's happened so many times? Now, sometimes Milu would have something or he had something. You do all the tests. The moment the test comes negative, two days, pain is gone. Pain is gone. Man, the, there's nothing to do with it. But because of the spiritual, because you are depending on a report received by rays of light. You're depending on the sun. He says, why do you depending on that? You, that? That's not your son. That is why in the Holy of Holies, in the holy place, there is no sun. There's only the lampstand. So what it says about the situation is the truth. Then it goes into the most holy place. Again, there is no lamp. There is only the glory of the Lord that lightens you. Because there is no sun or the moon to tell you about a situation. So when you are with God, when you are believing it, Believe that report. I'm telling you, believe the report of what your spirit is telling you. Don't depend on your soul. Your soul will tell you stupid stuff. It will look real. You can feel it. Your boy looks sick and it is re everything looks real. But let me ask you a question. That is for the world, not for you. For the world, they still have to depend on the sun and the moon to give them a report. But for you, like for the Philistines, sorry, for the Canaanites, when the Israelites went into the Canaanites, they saw the giants which were tall. How did they know the giants were tall? Who told them that the giants are tall? The sun. They were depending on the sun to reflect off. But Joshua said we can overcome it because he saw what? He saw the S-O-N. But wasn't the giants real? Yeah. Yes. But how did the, how do the how will they how will they overcome the giants? By the word. How will the word operate? How will the word cause it to happen? Don't know. Don't care. I don't know. I don't care. You got this picture. So the soul. So so the first temptation was turn the bread into this. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Look at the emphasis on the word. I'm going to believe God's word, that I am the son of God, and there is bread in this wilderness. That's not said, but that's the implication. I know there is bread in this wilderness, I am the son of God. I'm, I, don't, I don't have to see it. I know there is bread in the wilderness, I don't have to see it. So he didn't depend on his soul. He's not depending on the sun, the Judean wilderness sun. Okay. Second temptation. He takes him to a high place and he says, throw yourself down. Who will show up? Jesus. Angels. So what is he saying to Jesus? You are all alone here in this wilderness. There is no angels here for you. That's what he's saying, correct? Because what is the advantage of having angels? Huh? Protection, provision, supply. Because Psalms 91 says he will give his Angels charge over you. That means they'll be in charge for you. So he's saying, if you are the son of God, you should have angels. But can Jesus see angels at this point of time? No. So he said, Satan is saying, tell me, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a technique how you can see angels. Why don't you throw yourself down? Because when you throw yourself down, what? who should show up? So, so he's saying, unless they show up, you cannot believe. So again, he's depending on what for Jesus to believe? His eyes. Okay, let's take the third example. He takes him up to a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. What does he do? Shows. And says, 
these all kingdoms I will give it to you if you bow down and worship me. So what is he telling Jesus? You do not have any kingdoms. Does Jesus have kingdoms at this point of time? He has. But can he see it? But Jesus says, man, you shall not worship. He never said to Satan, you don't have the kingdoms. I cannot, he cannot see it. But, he, but Satan's, Satan showed him the kingdoms. He says, I'll give this to you. But Jesus has those kingdoms. This is how, this is how I know it. Go back in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 4. Go down and see. The moment Satan left him, said, Satan was testing him in all his soul realm, right? In his seeing thing. The moment he left him, angels came, done, ministered to him, full. And then the next two words, next two verses is, and he started preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. Wow. Food, angels, kingdom showed up. Where, 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 where were those before when he was being tempted? They were there. But he couldn't see it. And he was tested in that. That's why Hebrews says, Jesus was tested in the same hold fast to your confession test like he, you are, but yet without sin. So he says, he went through the same struggle. You hold on to it. Because your angels, your food, and your kingdom is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you seen that in that picture? Everything is there. Jesus was tested in the same aspect of holding fast to confession. How many times, believers, how many times they receive a word, a little persecution. Persecution is not from unbelievers. Like evil report that comes into your life. You just give up. Oh, the pain never goes. Like you're, you're, waiting, you're praying for your healing. The sickness is still there. But I don't care whether the sickness is there because I'm not depending on my son. For, my, for, for my, all practical purposes, I'm healed. But it's about, brother, I can see your sickness. That's because you're depending on the son. Amen? When does your son stop being your son? You have a private son today, you know? And this is what Malachi says. The son of righteousness will rise up with healing in his wings. This is so beautiful. You go back in the book of Mark. He says, when the sun had set down, they brought all the people who were sick to Jesus. <laughs> He's fulfilling that story. When the sun sets in the earth and there's gross darkness, the son of God rises up with, he's called the son of righteousness. That means he declares you righteous and worthy to receive every victory. Or you'll say, but my soul doesn't show. What is your soul? Your sight, your ears, your touch your feelings, everything. That's all soul. Your soul says, yeah, this is not real. Let the word keep operating for you at the background. Your sight will catch up. I'm telling you, what I have shared with you is straight from the heart of the Father. Let the seven o'clock sun not deceive you. Actually, that should be the title of the message possibly. Let not the twelve o'clock sun not deceive you. What you see in your life is not the truth. What you hear in your spirit is what you see in the 12 o'clock noonday sun is not the truth. You say, but Anil, that is the truth. No, it's not the truth. 
But no, it's real. It's your soul connected to your spirit and you're not able to differentiate that difference. Let the word go to work for you. Don't try to do it. So a lot of people try to separate the soul and the spirit on their own. No, no, I'm going to claim it, claim it, claim it, claim it. No. Believe his word. Just meditate on it and go to sleep. <laughs> Let the word marinate and remove and purify. First Peter says that. My brethren, your souls are purified because you heard the word. That's how he says. Hallelujah. Are you all excited about this word? All the victories that are hindered because your soul is like bone and marrow. Bo you know how bone and marrow is? I was reading today bone and marrow. The marrow is inside the cells of the bone. It's like a spongy bone and it's like, you cannot differentiate it. It's the bone and the marrow is the same. It's very hard to differentiate, but that's how your soul and your spirit, you, whatever you think is what you see is reality, is evil report caused by the sun. You believe. You know, and when Joshua, when he was going to win the battle against the five kings, he told, let the sun and the moon stay still. As long as they stood still. He had victory over his enemies. What is that a picture of? Today. The, your sun never, never sets. So when will you have victory over your enemies? Your sun will never go down. You will ne the sun will never set until you have victory over your enemies. Your sun never sets. So there is no hurry. Go to sleep. No hurry. Go to sleep. Your day never gets over. You're always victorious. You hold fast to that word. And it happens quickly. Because that word works for you quickly. And I'm saying, can, Anil, can I believe for crazy things? Yes. Because how will it happen? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. Because this is not my words. Mark chapter 4 says, he doesn't know how the word operates. That's God's business. His word is living and it will operate on the background. But you hold fast to that word. Amen? Let the noonday sun not be deceive you anymore. Believe it. And you walk in great victory. Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, O Master. Lord, we know it is heavy, Lord. But I believe that this word will have deep fruit, O oh Master. Let it sink into their spirit, O oh Master. Challenges and resurrection of dead things. God is causing the resurrection of things that you consider dead to now fruit, to blossom in the name of Jesus because you are living in the day called today. Hallelujah. Okay, I, I see a special burden for people who are praying for their loved ones. Who are not born again. The Lord says. Let my word work for them. And cause them to be turned towards you. As the son has turned towards the father's house. Rest in me and release them into my arms. Says the Lord. And don't be anxious over them. Release them into my heart. Release them into my care. For the Lord of Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. Thank you Jesus. Thank you master. Thank you, Master.